Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Some People Call That Jesus. This episode, um, it's entitled Message to the World. So really what the point of it is, and what is kind of the point of this podcast, as much as there is for Christians and believers to learn and know through these and through these basic truths, hopefully in a practical and understandable way, but I can't reiterate enough the point that this message, meaning the good news of Jesus, this Bible even, um, it's for the world. It's for the world. That's why I call this message to the world, because we're going to be looking at some verses that show the hope, the message, the communication that's for the whole world, any person, because so often we have this perspective and view on religions. You, look, you line up all the religions of the world, and you know the Bible is for Christians. It's a message for Christians. This book is for this religion, so on and so forth. But here, it's so much as Jesus and his message and his work are for those who are apart from God and apart from him, which is just so unique when you look at all the religions of the world and what they're about, that this message is for non-Christians. And again, I say that over and over because I try to get it into my own mind also, that this message that I have here, it's not to keep in secret and sit over here in a church or house just with believers sharing, but to share with anyone who doesn't have it. Because not only is the message for the world, but anyone that accepts Jesus, thereby becoming Christian, which means follower of Christ, then our sole task for any believer who has accepted Jesus is to take this message and to give it and take it to everyone who does not have it. So this work of Jesus becomes the work of every believer, and the cycle continues on. So it's always for non-Christians to come to this truth, which is just so encouraging in terms of a message of hope. So this message to the world, going to start looking in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And it's going to be looking at what is the, the status, what is the condition of the world that we were all once in at one point and that many people are still in. This is not just specific to one group of people, but it's, it's reality. That's one thing that I love about the Bible and the truth of God's word is that it tells you what reality is. No matter what you think or believe, no matter what illusions or deceptions we may have believed in the world previously, the Bible shapes what reality is. The Bible shows us truly what is and what isn't, makes it very black and white in a way, which is such a relief, honestly, such a relief to be able to see things for what they are, and really the good, the bad, and the ugly, the true condition of the world that doesn't butter anything up, shows it just how it is, but God never gives that without hope. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, it says this, it kind of starts in the middle of a sentence or a thought, but this is kind of a message to people that are apart from God's people out in the world. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And I'm going to break that down and highlight just a few pieces here. It says, he's talking actually to believers, a church here. And he says, you used to be in the world. You used to not have this message. You didn't know Jesus. And this was what the condition was. Namely, you were without Jesus. You were also not included as a part of God's people. He had his people, the Jewish people throughout thousands of years, bringing the message of God to the world. He says, you're without relationships filled with promise, because that's what a covenant is. It's this relationship with God. He said, your relationships don't have this level of promise. You've never had anything like this before. Also, it says no hope. I mean, that's total hopelessness. And it's not hard to picture, especially looking into our world today, what things are like. Total hopelessness apart from God's eternal truth, 
in the messages he gives to us that are filled with promises of good hope for the future. I mean, you you can't do um, you can't say no to enough of that. Um, and then also it says without God in this life. So no matter what you're doing, you're truly without God, the one true God, not deceived by some fake image of him, but you're without God in the world. And this condition, which I love it says in here though, but what Christ did on the cross, it says through the blood of Jesus, meaning through his sacrifice, forgiving his life for yours. And that applies to every single person currently on this planet. It says you've been, you were far away, which you may have heard this in churches and speaking and preaching often for many years that people say in Christianity, you come to God as you are. No matter how far off you are, where you are in your life, you're never out of the reach of God. You're never too far away. He can bring you near. And the reason why you hear that all the time is because it is absolutely 100% true. I'm not here to say that that is false or wrong by any means. You hear it so often, so commonly, because that is the basis of the gospel. No one can be too far away. No one can be too far off. And the Bible says right here, look at the ones that Jesus brought near, brought back into relationship with God. They were without God, without Jesus, etc., etc. So just right there saying without God, he says, even people that are that far off, it's okay. What Jesus done, has done is enough to bring you back near and to take care of you. And I just love that of having this distance because sometimes you feel so distant. And really the word for this is lost. Summarizing all those points of the condition of people of the world, of everybody until you accept Christ, which includes every believer at one point in time. But you're never too far away. And what he has done without any merit or achievement of your own, he's brought you near. So that is a huge encouragement and the main point of this message to the world, understanding your condition, what you are in. It's hard because you might get offended or you might feel embarrassed or get defensive, whatever it may be. You don't like having your faults and offenses pointed out, but it's true. If you just accept and understand your condition, as God tells you in his word, you have a free way to come back. Jesus has closed the gap of any distance through what he's done on the cross. And this is a, a huge point of hope, like I've been saying. So our next point we're looking in is in 2 Corinthians 4.18. And what we'll be looking at, building on this idea of that you that are far off, you are now near, is that this hope that we have, this hope generated by what Jesus has done for us, it's based on eternal things. Because the Bible tells us in many places, we're just looking at a couple, but in many places it tells us, don't hope in temporary things, but hope in eternal things. So I'm turning there right now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's see here, verse 18. And it says this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. So he says, fix your eyes. It's kind of this image of your focus, your direction, really your hope. What are you putting it on? And he says, if you do it on anything that is seen or physical in this world, it means it's temporary. It means it's guaranteed by nature to expire at some point, the Bible tells us. So he said, instead, focus on the eternal things. You can't see Jesus now. You can't see these things now that the Bible tells you about, but it's something that takes place within you, within your heart, within your mind, and within your spirit. So he says, you fix your eyes, you set your focus and your mind and your attention on these things that are unseen, because that means that they're eternal and they won't fade away and expire. Because naturally, if we begin to hope in these things that are temporary, at some point they'll expire, maybe in our lifetime, and then you have to find something else to hope in. 
and it goes through the cycle again and again. And you can see any of the things in this world that people are hoping for and working really hard for and achieving. Look at previous generations. You know, we can go look at history books and see that people for the whole history of the earth have chased after those things. And the Bible warns us of this too. These things of the world that people chase after today, money, status, career, whatever it is, it's nothing is new. Everything's the same as it has been generation after generation in different ways, shapes, and forms, but they chase after those same things. And those things all passed away just as they did. So I, I, I try to take an objective perspective as much as possible that I can, um, even though I typically take the perspective of the word, but as objective as possible to say, if I had to put my hope somewhere, if I had to take my hope and invest it somewhere, but I do it in something that is eternal, that's filled with hope and good things, it's not eternal and it's bad, it's eternal and it's good, would I invest my hope and trust in that? Would I put my heart and my, uh, my life on the line, so to speak, for that, that will never fade away, that will never change, and the amazing thing about those eternal things is that nothing in this physical world can disrupt it. Even nothing in the spiritual realm that fights against the things of God can separate that as long as we continue to trust in God and Jesus through what he's done. But would I choose to invest in those things or temporary things? So many temporary, short-term things that, you know, I picture things that I get at the grocery store forget about in my fridge, they're expired a week or two later, you have to end up throwing it away, it's so wasteful, and I think, man, if the things of this world are all as temporary, in a sense, as these groceries I have in my fridge, and yet I put my hope and trust in them, what does that really amount to? I, I feel kind of ridiculous when I, give, when I think of that example and I see that it applies to me too often. But I say, okay, I'm going to set it fully in eternal, unseen things, because then it lasts forever. That means my hope can never die. And I mean, truly, who wouldn't want that? And the second verse about hoping in eternal things, not temporary things, in the New Testament also, a little bit further on, and it's in 2 Peter, excuse me, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and it says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action and be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. So it says, where do you put your hope? It says, when Jesus Christ is revealed, which has other layers of meaning to it, but in one sense, and one most important sense, other versions will say the revelation or the coming of Jesus. So as believers, we're all waiting for Jesus to come back to take us home to heaven. Because once you become a believer and accept Jesus and go through that born-again experience we talked about in a previous episode, this earth is no longer your home. You're, you're traveling through, so to speak. You're, hot. you're here on assignment, doing work for God in a short life that we have here. But truly, our life is in heaven. Our true life, our eternal life is secured in heaven. And that's why it's our home. Even though we've never been there, that's our home because our life is in Christ and he's in heaven. So he's coming to take us home. And that gives us a lot of hope and assurance there. But it says, don't even hope for anything in this world besides Jesus coming back to finish your labor and to give you your reward. Right there, it just solidifies in your mind what you're to do with this hope, which is your trust and your faith and your passions. Where do you put them? You can make a decision to begin to put them, or I like to say invest them in certain things. Invest them in something that's guaranteed to give you the greatest reward. The next point looking at is this message to the world. Going back to our verse in Ephesians here, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to look at a couple verses down from where we first read. So Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 16, and it says this, 
and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. And what this verse is saying here is it's not only there was something necessary for God's people that came through Jesus, but he said also all the opponents of Israel, the Jewish people, of God's people, this was to bring God's people and their opponents together into one family, I like to say. It's God bringing permanence or belonging to his people and to the rest of the world. So it's not just here's something for my people, everyone else is excluded. When Jesus comes, he's just going to be for those that were faithful during this time. And I'm talking about Jesus' first coming to the Jewish people. He said, no, it's for the whole world. Any opponents, I'm going to bring them together. So not only Jesus' sacrifice brings us back into friendly terms with God, we call it reconciliation, when you bring back into friendly terms or agreement. So not only did he give us peace with God because we were separated in our sin, but even between people. Something very powerful and applicable and I'm sure with one relationship or another we all hope for in this life is that the power of what Jesus has done being applied to our lives can mend and heal any relationship, that it can bring people together, that it can bring whole nations that are in hostility against each other together. That's what it's saying here. The whole world was brought together into one family, all being able to be a part of God's people. So the cross not only saved, but it brought this unity, some very powerful result that came through what Jesus did. And it's important to highlight that as well, because he could have said salvation for those who accept Jesus, but there could be no unity amongst believers. But he said that is possible. Not that it always happens that we see in churches and things like that. But he says, Jesus came to preach peace to those that were near, to those that were far away, that they could all come together unified in him, in peace, into one family, any division and hostility broken down so that they could be together. So what an amazing benefit that we have through what he's done. In the last message here, for message to the world, talking about being far off, being lost, that summarizes it all essentially, and being brought near by what Jesus has done and believing in him. I like to put it this way, that uh, the blood of Jesus is transportational. Um, not that it physically moves you across this globe in that type of way that you might be thinking or that I think of sometimes, um, but Colossians 3.3 3 says this. It says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I just love, again, saying earlier how our true home is in heaven, that once we accept Jesus, the life on this earth is just assignment for God, and our true home is in heaven. It says our life that we've started, it's hidden with Christ in God. We've been transported to heavenly citizenship, so to speak, in an instant by accepting in him and believing in him. It's that true, uh, salvation is truly a location in Jesus. And it's true that in any area of your life, again, your lifestyle, your choices, no matter how far off or lost you feel or think, this can transport you right to where he is, right to where salvation is, and right to where the blessings of God are stored for you. And if that's not encouraging, I honestly don't know what is. And a great example of this, an awesome story that's very popular, and I'm sure you'll know it, in Luke chapter 23, it's during the crucifixion of Jesus. So Luke 23... And it's verses 39 through 43. And what it is, you can read through it yourself, Luke 23, 39 through 43. And what it is, is Jesus hanging there on the cross. And the two thieves that were also found guilty of their crimes, hanging on the cross, being crucified as their punishment on either side of Jesus. And one of those thieves was mocking him and making fun of him and saying what the people down on the ground were saying about 
bring yourself down off the cross if you're the son of God and jeering him and mocking him in that way. And yet the other criminal turns to him and says, don't you fear God since you were under the same sentence? And he says here in verse 41, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then amazingly, he turns to Jesus as again, picture that they're hanging there on this cross suffering in this way. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In verse 43, Jesus answered him, I tell you today, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise, which is just an amazing story. Again, about right there in his last moment, so to speak, this thief on the cross could look to Jesus and accept him. And Jesus said, the salvation is yours. Even though your current physical condition could be suffering the punishment of this crime you've been found guilty of, truly your new life in the spirit has been secured. Jesus says, the moment you just believed on me, I'm saying it is secured and confirmed now. Your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Salvation is yours. Where you said, I love that. You will be with me in paradise. It's just an amazing hope. And that is the message again to the entire world. That is to every single person, no matter your background, thoughts, beliefs, or opinions. Jesus still offers that to you freely. Uh, salvation is truly a location found in him. And you could be even in your last moments like that thief dying on the cross for the crimes he committed and turn to Jesus and be accepted just by believing on him for what Jesus has done for you freely. So an amazing hope. So this could re-energize you as a Christian knowing that this hope is yours. And then it should be encouraging for you if you're not Christian and listening to this, that this is freely yours. Or we can also take this as believers, share it with the world because there is no better message of encouragement and hope and of love than what Jesus has written with his own life and that's recorded in the Bible here for us. So this is the message to the world which you and I are all a part of. Thank you again for listening to the study and for reading along. Um, I hope you continue to follow along as we cover um, other exciting topics and Bible stories and things that I'm excited to share with you and study with you as we go along. Thank you.